sociopolitical issues. One man searches for intelligent conversation. From Dedham, Massachusetts, the birthplace of modern democracy, this is You Don't Have to Yell with your host, Dan Sally. Sally, Sally, Sally Welcome Sally, Sally. to episode 45 of You Don't Have to Yell, hosted in the beginning of a glorious month when Massachusetts has reopened hair salons and the residents of the Commonwealth no longer have to walk around looking like Joe Exotic. If you don't know who that is, pause and Google it. We'll wait for you. Now, episode 45 is a fitting number for this week's guest, Jeff Gregory, who's running as the Constitution Party candidate for North Carolina's 5th Congressional District. Now, while incumbent Republican Virginia Fox has voted with Trump an average of 94% of the time through his administration, Jeff Gregory agrees with Trump 100% of the time and would vote in the same way if elected. Now, for my friends who aren't fans of Trump, given the current climate and the protests going on around the country, I'm going to imagine this is the last thing you'll want to hear. But please listen on. Because during my conversation with Jeff, we talk about what appealed to him about Trump, and it's oddly familiar with the journey I've heard from other folks on the far left. And Jeff, I know you're listening. Don't get mad at me for saying that. It'll make a lot of sense at the end. Now, Jeff also gives me a very interesting, albeit controversial, take on the current pandemic and the care we need to take over allowing the government to limit our rights. And for those of you who, like me, currently support the protests going on around the country, I think you're going to find some common ground with them. Now, for my friends on the right, it's going to be clearer during this episode if prior episodes didn't tell you that I'm not a fan of Trump. But I think you're going to find this interview interesting, and I hope you find it fair. And if you don't, let me know. So with the numerous trigger warnings out of the way, here's Jeff Gregory. So maybe to, to like help with a lot of the folks who aren't from North Carolina listening in, can you, can you describe the 5th District for me and, and what's in there? Well, the 5th District is, is new to us. It's, it's a, a redrawn district. We used to be in District 10, which was, uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar, but there was a lawsuit and the, yep. the court ruled you had to redraw the districts. Well, we used to be in pretty much what I call Western North Carolina, from where I live all the way to the end of North Carolina okay. to the west. Then they redrew the district, and they kind of put us uh, east of western North Carolina from the foothills. Then as we go up, uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably heard of the Appalachians and uh, maybe Appalachian State University, mm-hmm. Boone area. So we go from South Carolina line to the Virginia line now, uh, which encompasses about 10 counties now. Eight of them are full counties, and two of them are sort of like halves and bits and pieces and stuff. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's from now from Virginia, which is the mountain areas, all the way down to um, Cleveland County, Gaston County, which is on the South Carolina line. And, and, and it's sort of like the foothills and the mountains now is maybe, maybe what you want to call it. Yeah, okay. And I know there's, there's, there's a, good, a good chunk of it's rural, but you've also got some urban areas kind of in yeah. there too, right? Yeah, sure. We have Gastonia, North Carolina, which is at one time was like one of the largest textiles in the, in the nation. Uh, uh, and then we have, uh, of course, where I'm at in Cleveland County. Uh, and, and yeah, we have we have some big companies. And not far from, from us is like BMW plants right across the line and stuff like that. But that's okay. not in my district. So yeah, we have a lot of a lot of industry in certain areas. But uh, we have a lot of colleges. You have Appalachian State University. You have uh, Gardner Webb University, and uh, some other ones in the area. But yeah, we have a lot of agricultural. Still a lot of agricultural in our area. Uh, in my area here, there's a lot of. Uh, um, uh, cattle and a lot of uh, soybean and stuff like that where I live. Uh, so. Okay, okay. And now you were born and raised in the district, or at least born. In, yeah. I guess I guess the district probably didn't exist in the same way when you were born, but you were born and raised yeah. in the area, right? I, I, I'm born and raised in the same area that I'm running in now. I would always, whether I was in ten or five, it's the same area. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we had uh, one of our uh, last guests was, uh, is actually working uh, on 
redistricting in North Carolina now. And so he told me about all the different changes and about the, the I-85 district that just kind of stressed. Oh, man, that's amazing. There now. You know, like, <laughs> you're talking about uh, gerrymandering. I, I've never understood why the courts keep wanting to change North Carolina, but they always say it's okay to have the I-85. It looks like just a snake going up through there and on both sides of the road, the district. And if it's not, that's not set up for a candidate. I don't know which one is. Well, I did, I did, I measured it and it's like, it's like 140 miles long. Yeah. And then about, what is it like? Just a couple of miles wide. So it has to be the poster child for a, Jerry Mangrum, it has to be. Yeah, I would say, I would say there's one, there's one I heard of up in uh, Pennsylvania and the nickname of the district is Donald Kicking Goofy. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? Because it looks like... Yeah, but that's a good one, though. Yeah, it looks like Donald Duck Kicking... Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I think, yeah, there's, there, it's, I think that's, I think I-85 is probably second most interesting shape next to that one, so... Yeah. Um, and there's so many things going on. Like I said, that that I-85, I mean, to me, it's got to where the judges sometimes, these things go to the court. They need to say, listen, I'm kicking this back. We don't have jurisdiction over it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a legislation to to make the districts. And to be honest with you, uh, elections have consequences. It's been that way on both sides. Mm-hmm. But I think the, judge, the courts are overruling too many things when it comes to stuff that they need to realize where their place is, where the legislation place is. And, uh, and and let people realize that the legislation has uh, certain jurisdictions that mm-hmm. court really should be entertaining. Yeah, I think one of the issues I see, and one of the, the I think the problems I see is everybody's kind of in everybody else's business in a right. way, you know, and uh, and just like you know, just uh, you know, I was talking to a guy in in West Texas last week, and you know, to say that you're going to have the same, like you're going to manage West Texas in the same way you're going to manage Massachusetts or the way you're going to manage... You can't do it. Yeah, exactly. It's just too big. That's why we have states, you know? That's why we have Mm -hmm. 50 states. Mm -hmm. I know we have a constitution which governs everybody on on certain things, but what's what's not handled by the constitution is supposed to be handed to the states. And that's why we have 50 states. The only reason we have the United States is so 50, 50 states gathered together for protection, to have a military... And, 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 you know, interstate commerce and, and stuff like that. But the thing is, 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 is they have taken so much and said the states do not, cannot have opinion on anything, you know. And, and even the, when it comes to the edu- federal education, I mean, they've got their hands too much. It should be a little bit more local and, 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 and let the states uh, kind of guide themselves on what, what they need to do sometimes. That's just the way I see it. One question I, I had for you on the on the district or on the area is I know right now it's it's a mix of you know there's some there's some manufacturing there's some universities there are farms obviously now when you were growing up though there was a lot more manufacturing than there is today oh, yeah. is that right yes uh, we'll, we'll get, let me get back to uh, you asked me about you know who I was and what I did. Yeah, I, I've actually had a eventful, a very eventful life. I really have. I mean, I grew up in a mill village. I don't know if you've ever heard what a mill village is, but mm-hmm. uh, textiles. Yeah. Uh, that's what fed, that's what fed around here. I mean, you had some of the largest textiles in this area growing up in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that's where the American Revolution had the turning point. Okay, uh, Battle, Battle of Kings Mountain, and. Uh, I grew up in a mill village there, and uh, growing up, it was great. I mean, you had, you know, family, uh, door-to-door, everybody worked in the textiles, mills, or whatever. But what people don't realize is when the textiles started going down is not only textiles, but people supplied them, supplies, truck drivers, so forth. So it becomes a big circle. And we also, in the area, we had um, uh, a furniture makers. You know, you've heard of Hickory, North yeah. Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. But I grew up in, in Kings Mountain, and... Uh, a uh, big family, six kids, and uh, a lot of uncles and aunts around. You know, we all went to church and uh, had a great time. And it was God, family, and country. And, and that's what I've always believed. And 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 you, as you're growing up, you see politics. You know, this area was a very big Democrat back then. Mm-hmm. And honestly, back in them days, if, if you weren't a Democrat, you probably wouldn't get a job with the state or highway patrol or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so as time went on, we, we had these little stores all over the area. I don't know if you had them where you grew up or not, but. And one little area across where I, I lived, we called it the shack. It's mm-hmm. such a little store. And I'd go over and sit in the corner and listen to the older gentlemen come in and get their, their little sodas and 
back then. I noticed a lot of them used to get a soda and a BC powder. I reckon that's because they had a headache from working all day or something. Yeah. But uh, I'd be sitting and listening to them talk about politics, you know, talk about Nixon and, and, and some of the days and before that and how things are bad and how people need to stand up. And then I started listening as I got older. I realized they had a hard time standing up because where they were, they were still kind of controlled by the local area because uh, the, the, the local meals and stuff kind of uh, dared people to go against uh, uh, certain things. So anyway, yeah. as I got older, I started thinking, you know, we need to stay involved. And, uh, and I started realizing a lot of people in my area didn't even vote. Uh, and I thought, that's, that's kind of sad. So I just always have loved history and got involved in that. And then as I got older, I went to work for uh, a textiles, and then went to work for a large chemical company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but it's BASL. Yeah. And uh, I was a chemical lab technician, and uh, I, I worked in the lab uh, doing formulas and things like that. And I saw the, the writing on the wall in the 70s, textiles was going downhill, so I joined the Air Force. Okay. And uh, I've always wanted to be in the Air Force, and I've always loved history. I'm like a history buff. So I served in, uh, in the Air Force, went to Okinawa, Japan, served there. And, of course, you know, a young man like me, uh, going overseas, you're thinking, uh, this is new to me, you know, and it kind of opens your eyes to the world. And then when I come back, I served in uh, New Mexico and actually got a certificate for the first space shuttle uh, recovery team. And, okay. and what, was, what, what we were for in case the thing crashed, but it sounds bigger than what it is, but a good thing it didn't crash. But you realize it's the first space shuttle, and they didn't know if the heat shields were going to hold or what was going to happen. So it was kind of a big deal at the time. And then when I came home, I went to work for Piedmont Airlines. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Or I not. have, yeah. 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 A great airline, I thought it was. I worked for them, and I saw it writing on the wall, U.S. Air came into Charlotte, North Carolina. We're not far from Charlotte, North Carolina, by the way. Yeah. And uh, and, and I saw it writing on the wall, and so I took a test for the post office and went to work to, uh, uh, carrying mail. I became supervisor in Gastonia, then a uh, postmaster, and, and I became postmaster all around, like uh, you know, Spruce Pine, Pisgah Forest, Lawndale, Kayser, and, and I worked about eight different post offices. And, yeah. Uh, so that's sort of my life. Like I said, to be old Mill Hill boy, you know, uh, I've... Um, I feel comfortable with what I've done to serve my country. And I, mm-hmm. my, my, my dad served in, war, in Korean War. My gra- grandfather served in uh, France, World War One, And uh, my son's a captain in the, in the Army now. Yeah. And, uh, so, and I even go back and trace my history all the way back to the Revolutionary War. You, you look up Isaac Gregory, Brigadier General Isaac Gregory. He, he's my great-great-great-great-grandfather. And he was uh, fought in the American Revolution. Okay. So anyway, that's me in a nutshell. Now, you're talking about what's happened in our area. I've seen the devastation. I've seen the, the, the you know, you remember when, um, I think it was Ross Pro said you hear the sucking sound going south? Yeah. Well, it, it happened here. Yeah. It happened here, and nobody cared about backing up. I mean, you hear people say, buy America and all that, but they really didn't push it. And, and, and i seen where a lot of these companies went to Honduras. And uh, I had a friend one time who was in the National Guard. He was a lieutenant colonel, I think, at the time, or a major. So he was going to Honduras in the 90s to build roads. And I researched it. At the same time they were doing that is when a lot of these textiles were going down there. So I, mm. I put two and two together. And then the, the furniture factories all around us, they started going under. And then you I started looking at NAFTA and CAFTA. And if you go back and look, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, demise started when NAFTA came in and people could care less about jobs. And, and then I started realizing it was all about big business, big business, you know, worry about making money. They wouldn't care about the, the American people. And yeah. what it does is it devastates people. It takes their identity away. It takes their purpose away. And all of a sudden, you got people running around here going, you know, everybody wants us to be a computer programmer. Well, everybody can't be a, a doctor, lawyer, computer programmer. Some people want to be into the the, 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 the industries. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they start taking out of high school with these, uh, you know, these technical uh, jobs, uh, you know, or, or, uh, where you walk, what kind of jobs you call them, like woodworking and yeah. welding. And, and all of that stuff. And I was like, why are they doing all this? Well, that means, tells me they didn't care about uh, trying to draw any of these jobs any longer. But now we've gone back to deep thinking. And one thing I used to tell people is, look, take the, take the picture you had back in the 1970s. Look at it. Now, let's get that picture and see what's not in there anymore. And that's what we've got to go back to. We've got to go back to making uh, things in our area. Uh, yeah. A gentleman called me one time, I think it was from Huffington Post. And he said, Mr. Gregory, he says, I hear you, you, you're, you're talking about not jobs. He said, well, what about Asheville? Asheville's in our district at the time. He said, they're building houses like crazy. I said, well, yeah, yeah, they are. I agree. He said, well, those are jobs. I said, yes, they are. He said, well, what's the complaint? I said, well, them are temporary jobs. When the houses are finished, they're not 
industrial manufacturing jobs, they become service jobs because people retire here, and then when they retire, then basically they're going to the restaurants or healthcare. That's it. So once those are gone, so we've got to look at you know what we need to draw uh, industries, not just sit here and spout about they're leaving. And I think it was Hillary one time said, so let's put a tax, a little tax or charge them for leaving. Well, no, let's find a way that they want to stay, not penalize them for leaving. Of course, yeah. uh, that's another story there. It sounds like, you know, back when you were growing up, there was a really nice quality of life there and the factories. Well, yeah. yeah, and the factories really provided for folks. And, and the bad thing is, Dan, that mm-hmm. they weren't, they were not big paying jobs, but they were steady work. It had, and what comes with good jobs, Dan, is health care. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of things people say, oh, health care. Well, if we get good jobs in there, usually health care and benefits comes along with them. And the, and the textiles, the good thing about it was he never had to worry about not having a job. Yeah. And, and then after that, then everybody gets into welfare. And I'm not against welfare, but welfare is kind of helping destroy this country because it's, uh, it, it's, it's been used the wrong way, in my opinion. It's kind of everything's kind of like I said. It's kind of uh, got tainted, and uh, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a uh, it was a southern you know firefly honeysuckles uh, <laughs> you know baseball playing uh, days. Uh, we all would get together and go to the parks and play and and everything. And everybody just gathered together. And now it's kind of got everybody's uh, worried all the time. It, it just to me it seems. Is it still like that now? Then it, it's got it. Uh, aroma about it but yeah. people now uh, there's a lot and, and I'm not against people moving in this area I love people to come in and, and, yeah. and see what it's like but when you start getting people moving in haven't lived here they don't understand what it was like mm-hmm. and they only understand where they lived so they kind of look at things different now as far as western North Carolina yes mm-hmm. but as far as Charlotte and the bigger towns no I think they have become too too much government um, uh, ideal, idealists as far as the government. They think that everything's supposed to be about the government. Mm-hmm. When we were growing up, it was more about people uh, working hard, uh, God, family, and country. You, yeah. you understand? I mean, I hate to say that, but that's what it was. Now it's like they want to look toward the government to, for everything, uh, even in this area. Yeah, like, and this is something I've picked up in a lot of my conversations, which is, you know, I mean, where I live in Boston, for example, where we're comfortable with a lot of government involvement and, and part right. of the part of the reason is we just have it's a densely populated area. So you kind of right. need, you know, the thing I always like to say is people do stupid things and more people do more stupid things. And so sometimes yeah. you get enough people together and you need yeah, you, know, you need the government to step in. But then, you know, on the flip side, what I hear from a lot of folks who are from, you know, less densely populated, more rural areas is really they they don't need that because number one there aren't as many people and in a lot of cases what they need is they need really the freedom to be able to do for themselves out there and that's kind of all they want to do and is that am i yeah, yeah, yes. and, and and yeah especially in a large area you're right there's a different there's a different um, outlook because you the more people we have together you're right and somebody may say in boston we've got uh, 30 murders this year well down here we may have three but if you yeah. look at if you look at you know percentage, ours may be higher due to the population compared to what you have. You see what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Def- it's oh. and, and I I feel like a lot of times that's where where a lot of the sparks start to fly um, politically. I think is when and I'll just say urban and rural just to keep it simple, but I think it's a little more complex than that. But I think where the sparks start to fly is when I say, well, what goes here what works here is going to work there and vice versa. I'd, ima- I'd imagine, you know, living, living near Charlotte or living like around Charlotte, you're probably around about as many Bostonians as I am nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. And uh, of all the places around here, I'd say Charlotte has changed more than any, any place that, mm-hmm. that I've been around here. And a lot of it is because, uh, you know, the big banks are bringing people in and, and a lot of things, and I have no problem with that. But what I have a problem with is, is you have people out there who are stopping cars and rioting and, and trying to violate people's rights, and then they elect them to the city council. Mm, <laughs> you know what I'm yep. saying? Yep, yep. And it's like you're bringing in the bad news. And the other thing is drugs, Dan. And people don't understand how bad drugs has 
hurt this nation and, and this mm-hmm. southern community I live in. Because when we was growing up, you may have had some moonshine, but they didn't want they didn't want the attention. They didn't want to go out and and the main reason back then they went out the the revenueers went after them was because the taxes for the was not being paid. Mm-hmm. But now these drugs, people bring stuff in. You know, they don't care who it hurts, uh, and there's so much money in it. And anytime big money is in anything, it's going to cause chaos because people go after the money. And, again, drugs coming in this area has hurt a lot because people who brought the drugs in, in my opinion, a lot of times are not the people from this area. So they, they don't have, they're not bought into this area. They don't have family here. They don't care. But, it, you know, the, the government says they have a war on drugs and and I always believe if you go to war, then you try to destroy your enemy. Mm-hmm. But it seems like to me that it's just a lot of smokescreen and talk, and I think that's what's hurt our area a lot too. Yeah, has that has that gotten a lot wor- worse in like maybe your you know, Kings Mountain and places like that? Yeah, um, around um, naturally every place has got worse, but the yeah. worst area, in my opinion, is like Charlotte and and the bigger towns around. Uh, sure, is where it's really. <laughs> because they're going to go where the numbers are. I mean, the more you have to sell, the more people you want to sell it to. Mm-hmm. The only other thing is is it causes a lot of people to do things they wouldn't normally do, like steal. You know, you you know, you, you got to lock your buildings and stuff like that mm-hmm. because people just ride by. I mean, you know, we're not immune to, to people breaking in houses and hurting people. And, you know, uh, a friend of mine worked at the hospital and in and, and security, and he said they'd come in, 40-year-olds all messed up and, they have their mother with them, you know, seven year old or something. They're cussing her mother and blaming her. And he's, I used to tell him, man, you're forty year old. It's time for you to grow up. Quit blaming people. Your mom, if you weren't for your mom, you probably wouldn't even still be here. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of society that's different than when I grew up. There was a lot of respect for the elderly. You learn from them, listen to their ideas, and again, you know, uh, it took a village to raise. Because I tell you right now, uh, there was a gentleman that lived across the street growing up. He probably watched out for me more than. Uh, Anybody in the neighborhood, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of phrased it a little differently, which is, you know, when I was, I, I, I remember talking to my wife about this a few years back, and up here, I don't know if, what, how it's like, how it is down there, but I know, you know, up here, when I was growing up, you routinely got yelled at by other adults. You got yelled at by your neighbor, you know, by yeah. your friends' parents. You got yelled at by, you yeah. know, people who didn't even know you. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and nowadays it, it just, it, kid, adults don't yell at other kids. They're almost, oh, they go, oh. And, and if you tell, tell someone of them, my, your kid did this, not my baby, not my baby. No, huh? not my baby. And yeah. you're like, wait a minute, no, that's why they are because they know that you're going to take up for them. There's nothing wrong with taking up for your child, but you also have to discipline to let them know when they get older, this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. If you give them always what they want and let them just run crazy. Then that's all they know. Well, you know, if they live in a circus, they're going to be in a circus the rest of their life. And and when you're starting out little and you wait till they, oh, that's cute, that's cute. And then they get to be 20 year old, ain't cute anymore, and they're too old for you to handle. And now you want society to handle them. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was this, uh, this is a couple, I don't know how many years ago, probably five, six years ago. I get back to my house and, uh, you know, I'm with, I have all my kids with me and everything. And there are these kids, probably around like 12, 13, in, I used to live across the street from a school. So they're out in the school parking lot and they're just whipping around this big, one of those big orange and white safety barrels. Right. And, and they're just throwing it around and they're right near windows. And I, uh, and, and so I just kind of felt like, you know, I, I better just stop these kids before something bad happens. So I yell across the street and I say, and I said, Hey, Hey, stop that. You know, just stop it. And now my kids are all with me. They're all kind of watching this all take place. And the kids here in the parking lot just kind of stand there and stare at me in disbelief that I said anything. And so then I just snapped. And the next words out of my mouth were, do you got a problem with that? Like, (laughs) I'm going to go and beat up, you know, (laughs) three 12-year-olds or something. But uh, so, and then the kids just kind of skulked off or whatever. And then... um, it's it's different. They they just. But Dan, listen. Yeah. I remember when I was in school, and I told some of these teachers after I graduated, uh, talking to them different things. Uh, mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I said, I think I was uh, dumb in school. They said, why is that? I said, I thought the teacher was in charge. Yeah. 
<laughs> little did you know. Little did you know. Yeah, so, but, but they were back then. And be honest with you, I got along with most of them. I mean, they, I even think they respected me because they knew if I brought up a subject, it's like it, it's something, you know, it needs to be looked at. Of course, again, it's a smaller school. My best friend's brother was a baseball coach, mm-hmm. you know, and since I've been running for office, I've met some of them. And, I'm sure running for office, you've done a lot of, you know, a lot of driving around the district, a lot of meeting people, kind of talking oh, yeah. to voters. What are they telling you? Like, what are they? What are they what uh, uh, around here? It's, it's it's basically, you know, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of, you know, I've been doing this for a little while because uh, uh, when I was a postmaster, you couldn't run for office. The thing called the Hatch Act. I'm heard, I'm sure you've heard of that. Yep. Uh, where you, you couldn't run. So when I uh, I retired, I said somebody run needs to run against this guy. I said, wait a minute, I'm somebody. So I started jumping into it. And the first speech I gave was at a charter school. I laid the Bible and the Constitution down. I said, these are two doctors. You better read, cherish, and defend because they're coming for them. And everybody looked at you like, who are they? Well, when I explained to them, some people looked at you like, oh, my God, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Some people go, oh, wow, that's terrible. And then you start giving them a speech about, you know, every time the, 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 the flag is raised, somebody's blood is raised with it. And I really mm-hmm. believe that all these yeah. years that the great generals and humble soldiers have died. But anyway, they started out back then. It was mainly about jobs. You know, because uh, that's, you know, NAFTA and CAFTA and all that stuff and took the jobs. And it's like, what are we going to do, Jeff? What are we going to do? And I started putting together. These people are not, uh, they're desperate. And they're also, like I said, they don't feel like they have any worth or mm-hmm. dignity. They, the government didn't care. They took it from them. They just let it go overseas. So that's what the initial thing was, you know, years back. And uh, and we're still there today now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and now they're back now to Jeff. What are we going to do? We've got people uh, don't don't want to deal with China, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever researched me a lot, but I spoke about China probably six years ago. I said there's a day we're going to have to deal with them, mainly because uh, I, I posted the other day on the internet about uh, Taiwan. I was in Okinawa in '78 when we closed Taiwan uh, yeah. uh, Taipei Air Base down, and and we did it just for China because China, uh, and then we gave them favored nation. You know, and when did it become okay to do business with a communist country and give them favored nation, let them handle our pharmaceuticals, buy our land, buy our, our food? That's the things they're talking about now. Uh, is is our what we're going to do about it? And yeah, I've always had a big about the military, and they're talking about overseas. You know, how long we're going to stay in Afghanistan? Well, I'm all for the military, Dan. I've been I'm behind them a hundred percent. But when you've been somewhere twenty years. It's time to bring the people home. There's no reason for these boys and girls who don't know anything about these foreign countries to go over there, who, who don't even know where they exist, to go over there where the country could care less about them and lose our, our lives over and over and over. When we have like 198 nation, uh, nations in the United Nations and we're about to, two or three of us that always send our people over to get killed, it's time the United Nations send everybody to fight the terrorists or we get out. And uh, that's the things people are talking about. And right now, they're talking about this virus. A lot of people are Think it's a hoax. A lot of people thinking that it's uh, it's something that's going to kill everybody. But Dan, no matter what you believe, you can't live in fear all the time. And if you want to stay in your house, that's your constitutional right. But you cannot tell somebody else is healthy. They can't walk around about their business. Yeah, that's a tricky one because you know, and it again, that's where I think the the regional versus national issues get confused. Because I know, you know, here for example, we've gotten hit pretty bad. And it's it's pretty important that you know folks don't gather together in crowds and and whatnot. I know, Dan. Yeah, I got very close to me. This in New Jersey right now. It's over. Yeah, and, and I, I do understand. Yeah, but there's a there, where where do you throw the Constitution out the window? You see what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Yeah. No. I and, and I think that that's a big. This is a weird. This is a weird time where I think everybody. I don't think anybody up here feels oppressed. Let's say. You know, and they, down here, they really do. And, and some of the they really do. Things, okay. Oh, yeah. Some of the people down here, some things that say don't even make sense. It's, yeah. It's like, it's like uh, one lady said, so you think that people's freedom is, God, what's the word? Like the only thing, or, you know, in other words, yeah. that, you can't, that you can't mess with it? I said, yes, I do. And I said, whether I believe it or not, the Constitution says it is. I said, now. Man, I, I'm not against you going in, and, and, and this woman was from Florida. I said, I'm not against you staying in your house. Matter of fact, when this virus is over, you can still stay in your house. That yes. is what you want to do. That's what yeah. you can do. But you can't tell me that that, that, that 
down here, they're arresting people for going to church. Mm-hmm. And then they go over here, and I got a picture from Sam's Club yesterday. People were lying around the building going in. Yeah, so what do you think about, so obviously, I think, I think church is going to be touchy. You know, obviously, grocery stores have to stay open. What do you right. think about, like, what do you think about, you know, like a barbershop or a restaurant or whatnot? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you think about the, what do you think about the, the governor or, or whoever saying, keep those closed for now? Well, what the sad part is, 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 is you look at our governor, mm-hmm. you know, he's been to Florida. He gets his hair cut. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the governors and them were elected to uphold the constitution and make sure our rights are upheld, not to get up there and be tyrant. And make decrees. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and now, were you trying to protect people or not? I don't know. But people are supposed to have the right to protect themselves. That's why the Second Amendment's there. Mm-hmm. And when you have people uh, that are taking an oath to protect people and you're using them as a governor, you're using them to, to stop people at the Capitol from protesting, mm-hmm. or they're just initiating their grievances before the government and they're doing nothing any different than the police are. The police are shoulder to shoulder. And the people out there, you tell them they got dispersed, even if they're standing six feet apart. Yeah. See, what part is, like you said, the thin line of where is their rights been violated? Well, again, if they are sick and need to be quarantined, that's fine. Then their they're rights stop because they are violating somebody else's chance of them being sick. But you can't shut down a whole nation and say we're throwing a constitution out. Matter of fact, I think in the Constitution it says that religious gatherings and rights will not be prohibited. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, what is your reason for do that? Now, at one time, they wouldn't even let them have um, parking lot churches or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But now they've kind of opened that a little bit. But I just think that you've got to look at that Constitution, because once you lose your freedom, Dan, it's hard to get it back. Yep. And the other thing is, is the more bureaucracy you make and the more laws you make, the more freedom is taken away from people. Yeah. Now, it sounds like I'm somebody who says, oh, you know, let everybody do what they want to do. No, you've got to have rule of law. But the rule of law has to be for the interest of the people. Uh, the governor and him are trying to make it the interest of the state. And the other thing is, how can you stop people from doing commerce <coughs> feeding their family? So that's a thin line there also. Now, yeah. <coughs> The problem I got is the governor, most of them, won't even talk to the legislation. Or they try to take advantage of this, like in Virginia, while things are going bad for the people. Then they want to jump in there and make laws and different things uh, to hurt them any further. There's too many laws that are prohibiting people from doing things that they need to do. That's just the way I see it. Hello, all. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Jeff. And for those of you listening for the first time, welcome and thanks for listening. Now, I hope you all noticed that Jeff, someone who's a big supporter of Trump and myself, someone who's not, have managed to make it through half the episode without yelling at each other. Why? Because what we love and what we have in common as a country is greater than or equal to what we don't. And we don't hear about these things because we have a system designed to present only two candidates as viable options. And highlighting disagreements goes a lot further than presenting ideas. And if we're going to end the gridlock and dysfunction in Washington and come back together as a nation, we need to get back to governing by consensus building. And the best way to do that is to get more parties into the mix by implementing proportional representation in the House of Representatives. And if you believe in this cause, I'm going to ask you for three things. Number one, if you haven't already, subscribe to YDHTY right there on your phone. Number two, start a conversation with me on Facebook or Twitter. All I'm seeing right now is stuff people are baking in quarantine, and I'm getting a little bored. Number three, swing by YDHTY.com and sign up for our email list. We've got write-ups of each episode and other content to keep you company in the long gap between each Thursday. And with that out of the way, back to Jeff.
I have a question for you on the on the sure. disease on the on the you know disease front on the COVID front. My feeling is we're we're not going to know for another two weeks whether reopening places make sense or not. And you know, I know we're up here in Massachusetts. We're shut down through middle of this month, probably longer. New right. York, same thing. Uh, Florida's decided to reopen a bit. Georgia's decided to reopen a bit. And and I guess Mike, but let's go. Maybe let's focus on the the church side of things because I think that's really that's obviously a very sensitive, very personal issue. And sure and I think when you tell, I think. I don't know whether they would have been better off saying you can go to church, but here's what might happen and letting people decide. But yeah. I think, I think like, so let's say, I think there was recently a church in Tulsa that had a, had a, uh, uh, had, had services yesterday and they all got together. And now let's say two weeks from now, people start dying. You know, the worst happens, right? right? right. So these people all get infected People, they start dying. They've infected a bunch of other people. There's a huge spike in in uh, in disease. Do you think, right. like you know, kind of getting to the issue of freedom and getting to the issue of uh, freedom getting taken away, being or being, you know, the issue of it being difficult to get freedom back once it's taken away? Do you think that it's a better outcome? And this is a kind of a tough question. So, but but do you think it's a better outcome to to let's say potentially open up the door for tragedy? with the understanding that that might be, that's a better way to learn your lesson about when the government should intervene than to let the government curtail your rights before disasters happened. Does that make sense? Or, yeah, or, yeah, you can't, you can't preempt things. You can't just, okay, here's what we think. And what well, if I'm thinking something different? And in America, we, that's what we have, the right to think different. Yeah. And, 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 and again, a government, in my opinion, a governor is elected to, protect me and the laws, not protect his own future thoughts. Mm-hmm. And as far as the church, the way I see it, you know, if they wanted to go, they go. Now, if they have an outbreak, then all them people have got to be rounded up and quarantined. The church yep. has got to be quarantined. Because they've made that decision. Once they make that decision and it goes wrong, then the government has a right yeah. to step in and quarantine, even the church, the building, the people, whatever, because we have seen that there is a health issue now. Yeah. It's, Let me give you an example. Let's say we're going to quit driving cars for two weeks until mm-hmm. there's no accidents. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's sort of like I, the thing I'm thinking about, too, is if you look at what we accepted before and after 9-11 in terms of security at airports and in terms right. of government intrusion in our lives, I think it's fair to say if the government had come to us before 9-11 – and said, there's this threat abroad, a lot of people could be killed, and we're better off doing this now for your own good. I think a lot of people would probably have had problems with it. Right, uh, right. And to be honest with you, Dan, the people in America, really, in my opinion, has very, has very been very cooperative overall. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, and, and, I, and I think that's where, in some cases, I want to mind my own business there. You know, I feel like, again, I feel like what we're doing up here in Massachusetts works fine. I think I get to an extent, I, I don't think it's my place to have an opinion on what Georgia does. And Georgia, no, I agree. That's you know? why I said we have 50 states. I'm worried about yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> and if, unless the federal government steps in and, and mandates something, then I start having a problem with the federal government. But really, they've said they're going to leave it to the states. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you another question, too, because... Um, you know, kind of getting back to uh, the manufacturing base disappearing over right. there and a lot of people being out of work. And, and you right. know, a lot of people just kind of wanting to make an honest living, you know, just, right, exactly right. just, just wanting to get to work. One of the things that uh, I've talked with a few folks about uh, in terms of responding to the pandemic is the idea that, that stuff like this is probably going to happen again. We're probably going to need people to stay. <laughs> and... And there are other countries like Denmark, for example, that are just paying people not to work. They're effectively saying for the next month, you have to stay home. We're going to pay so you can put food we did on that the in America. Yeah. So I get used to not going back though. The, the, it, the, the, yeah. Like, well, I, I want to go to work when the government's going to pay me. See, that's the system we've got into now. And a lot of places is we've encouraged people not to go to work. We've encouraged people to stay home. We've encouraged people to become druggies and get on disability. I mean, we, we got to quit encouraging people and encourage people to be productive. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, 
kind of another thing about you know the nature of the economy and and such is up here. So we had a we had a decent sized manufacturing base up here back when my dad was growing up, you know, and that kind of disappeared. But everybody sort of went into other industries, you know, finance and tech and and all those industries kind of popped up and replaced the jobs. And you know, it seems like down there, a lot of those jobs weren't replaced, and and also. A lot of those folks, you know, kind of to your point, not everybody's going to be a computer programmer. Right. And, and so, you know, when you look at like, what do you, what do you think is the way to, to get the, those people who are kind of left out yeah. of the equation? Well, the, way, you know? the way we get back is, is we have to start looking at level of the playing field. I don't like to use that word. That's one thing I can think of right now as far as is, is what is done overseas compared to what we can do over here. In other words, the textiles, they say, are gone forever, but I know some popping back up. Yeah. we basically got to look at, first of all, Dan, I'm telling you, our country's wrong by doing business with communist countries. Mm-hmm. They care nothing about their people, and uh, they work them for nothing. And the only people making money off of it is the communist countries and the big, big dollar people here in America. Mm-hmm. So we got to look at every issue, and that's one. The other thing is, is we got to... Um, if we even if we have to put a surcharge on people that are distributing foreign goods and give a tax break to people who distribute American goods, oh man, it's going to make make people mad overseas. It don't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. They need us. We don't need them. Well, and then when you come when you come back over here to open up these jobs, then you have to look at what environment do we have to create so these jobs can uh, exist. We we took the environment away, Dan, and we've got to go back and create that environment we had. And, 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 and again, I was a big opposition to NAFTA, and Trump has worked on NAFTA, but it still, has a, under a different name, still has some things I don't like in it. Yeah. So that's what we got to look at is the, the unfair trade practices. Yeah. What do you think? So with the new NAFTA, what do you think's missing in it? Like, what would you what would you add in there? Well, I still think that it gives them um, uh, pretty much where, where we don't uh, kind of. What's the word? I don't know. Uh, I think it's lack of how things can be made. Uh, in other words, we've got to look at the human right issue. If you look mm-hmm. at uh, overseas, that you've got to have certain laws in place that these people are going to make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Because, again, until you level the playing field, you're not going to level the playing field when you're paying somebody 50 cents an hour and you're selling Nikes here for $200 well, yeah, I think that's, I think the, the problem that we have is, you know, part of the reason those jobs moved overseas is because A, they can pay people less. B, they don't have to provide the same working conditions they do here. Yeah. And C, they don't have to look at the same environmental restrictions. That's and right. so you're right. And you know what? You're the first person that I've spoke to that is on the same page that, that that I, if you go re- research me, I told them, I said, a lot of all, these people don't have the environmental, they don't care if the water's polluted, yeah. they don't care if the air's polluted, they don't care if, and, and what we do here to all Americans, don't get me wrong, we need some controls, but the thing is, we, we have put too much hindrance on people, you know, you can't produce the so much, you can't do this, you can't do that, and 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 you exactly right, those three things you said, mm-hmm. you know, stuff, stuff like, don't get me wrong, we need workman's comp, but they don't have none of that. They don't have the pollution control, the environmental control, the, the wage control. Yeah. You can't compete with that. And that goes back to the level of the playing field. You've got to put some things in there. And I know we're, they're not going to pay them $20 an hour. But if you could bring their wages and stuff up and then put some kind of small tariffs on what comes in here and level and let people choose. First of all, their product is not as good as ours. I mean, you remember when toys were coming from China and you had to quit because it was lead painted? Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's... There's all kind of things, and, and, and even the food they're bringing in here now, people are questioning. And, and so why would you want to do that anyway? Well, that's because the big dollar people are there making the money off of it. But yeah. again, we gotta look, if we find violations of uh, painted meat or bad products, then we need to tell them we will not accept that anymore. And let me tell you something, in a capitalist society, when something goes away, if there's still a demand, it will come up from the earth, and somebody will produce it, just mm-hmm. like the car industries. If it had sold it, Somebody else would have picked it up yep. and, start, and started it again. The problem is we want capitalist, capitalist society, but we want it run by the government, and it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always thought, too, on the trade side of things, is one way we could make it more equitable is to say, 
okay, yeah, we're going to do business with you. We're going to trade and, and we're, we'll have an open trade agreement. However, you, you, you have to operate under the same rules our companies are on. Ah, that's what I'm saying. We got to live yeah. the plan. We yep. have to. Uh, if I was doing business with you mm-hmm. and uh, you had all of the, the, the options and I had none, well, you're going to do a lot better than I do, Dan. Yeah. What I think we've done over the last, let's say, 30 to 40 years here is we've allowed for manufacturers to get around all those rules we've, we've, we've put on manufacturers in the U.S. So we've allowed manufacturers to put plants in other parts of the world where they don't have to do the same environmental working restrictions, right. any of that stuff. We all get cheaper stuff as a reward, right. but there, there, are, there are parts of the country that are just hollowed out as a result of that. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and so what ends up happening is you end up having a system where it's exporting jobs. It's creating right. misery in another part of the world. It's creating yeah, yeah. An environmental destruction in another part of the world. And, and what do I, I get a cheaper T-shirt. Yeah. Or, or I, get, you know, I get a cheaper smartphone. I'll, I'll ask you this question, but in some cases, I think we also have to ask ourselves, are you willing to pay a little more for a better That's world? You think so? I've asked that over and over, and everybody will say yes. Now, are they willing? I do not know, but they say yes. I know I am because Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in America, and like I said, I look at stuff. But then look at all the countries. Look at South Korea. You know, in the 50s, you remember how they had little shanty towns and Seoul and places like that? And and look where they are now. They're they're top of the technology. Uh, Look at Japan. All the countries we've ever dealt with, even Vietnam, Mm -hmm. they're better off. Once we become even in war or whatever we do with them, when we leave, I mean, you know, we helped China, uh, mm-hmm. not uh, communist China, but the nationalists back in, uh, you know, flying tiger days and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Well, look at all these countries we've dealt business with, even Kuwait, all these countries, uh, Dubai, that we've done business. They're better off in the long run when we do it. But we suffer, uh, and China even steals our um industrial technology, not just our uh, defense technology or mm-hmm. finance technology. So you're dealing with people that not doing the same that you're doing and you can't trust. And I'm not going to do business with somebody I can't trust yep. uh, when the national interest is especially is uh, involved. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like, if when I look at the political landscape now, you know, I think that's why so many people have grown mistrustful of both major parties, because, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the Democrats, their base were, was their base for years was, was, was union. Yeah, that's it. And it was, and even up here in Massachusetts, you know, we've got Elizabeth Warren and we have folks who are, you know, maybe your t- your typical like yeah, yeah your, your typical like university level liberal you know but then you also had uh, a lot of folks who were you know again working class folks and yeah. Uh, yeah, what and, about that was that where Brown was that Senator Brown was that where yeah was? well he was Senator Brown you know but we even my representative Stephen Lynch who's a Democrat you know yeah. he's an, he's an ex iron worker yeah, so yeah. he has he has that understanding. Well, the reason they were Democrats is because, like you said, they were iron workers and 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 uh, believed in the labor and the the you know the fair wages and uh, and all of that. But they they've gone away from that now. They've gone yeah. into anything else other than uh, the American people. And uh, you cannot become a party of of uh, illegals and, and foreigners and. And, and businesses overseas and going and, and, and spending time in Iran talking to them about American issues when uh, we have people you know, bleeding and dying in foreign countries. And, and uh, anyway, um, when, you, when you have a crisis like we have right now, it's what they call it, mm-hmm. and then you have a bill to send people $1,200 and you start putting all this trash in there saying, well, if I don't do this, uh, if you don't give me this, this, and this, I'm not going to vote to help the American people. Is it not? Is it not quid pro quo? Yeah, I do think even on the Republican side, you know, you look at uh, sort of how Trump rose up and became the nominee and then became the president. You know, I think a lot of that was due to the fact that uh, that neither party was really speaking to no. what was what was going on, at least on they the trade. They thought he would win, Dan. They, they, they thought he'd get in there. He's going to be a joke. I and didn't. I, not in a million years, Jeff. Did I think he yeah, was? Yeah, I did from win. the beginning. You can ask anybody. You, those you did. Yeah. Not, now here in our state, North Carolina, you had Patrick McHenry. You probably heard of him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's never had a job in his life. I don't know if you know that or not. 
Yeah, well, that's I'm from the land of the Kennedys, so I'm very familiar with those yeah, folks. Patrick McHenry. Yeah. He, he, I am going to be the North Carolina State Chairman for Jeb Bush. Mm-hmm. When he folded, now I'm on the Trump train. You see yep. what I'm saying? That's how, yep. that's how politicians see. And, and that's what career politicians do. They, they ride whatever it takes them. They, they, they come down here and mutate who they, mm-hmm. they think you want them to be. And then when they get elected, they go back and try to be rulers instead of representatives. And he's, yeah. a, he's an example of that. And that's the first guy I ran against, and the reason was for that. And yeah. matter of fact, I think we was going to beat him one time, but I don't know if you're aware of this or not. We had an election. The judge threw it out and wouldn't even let him count the ballots. Can you believe that? Really? Yep. Yep. We had you remember when Trump ran first time? Yeah. Well, that election here, the, the, I was on the radio, I was on TV, whatever, and uh, everybody says, you know, y'all running neck and neck. And then when we had the election, the judge wouldn't even let them uh, count the votes, threw it out, said that uh, to redraw the district. See, we've had our district drawn a couple of times. Redraw the oh, district. Yeah. And we'll have a special congressional election. So, that election didn't count. Months later, we had a special election, just congressional. Now, let me ask you this, Dan. Mm-hmm. How many people you think remember there was a congressional district coming up just just for Congress after that? About 3%. Mm-hmm. Well, Congress, Congress didn't get on the phone and get that many people to show up. So when I talked to people, they said, Jim, I voted for you. I said, man, I appreciate it, but did you vote in June? Well, no, I didn't know this election in June. Well, that, that shows you how the system yep. works. Yep. There's a, I talked with... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked with someone who the precinct clerk for Polk County down in Florida, and you know, Polk I, County right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I went down and uh, I went down and you know I was talking to her, and I expect to hear all these stories about you know missing ballots and polling places being closed and, and moved and stuff. And the thing she said, the number one issue in getting people to turn out is just having them know where to show up, when to show yeah. up, and what to do when they get there. The biggest turnout we've had in years is when Trump ran. Yeah. I had people coming up to me going, Jeff, where'd I vote? I've never voted before. Where'd I go? Where'd I go? I'm voting for Trump. I'm voting for Trump. Yeah. And I told one of the, the people there during the, uh, the early voting, which I think we have too many days for early voting, but uh, I told him, I said, uh, you just wait. The silent majority is going to turn up when, when Trump runs. This one lady said, well, Jeff, why the silent majority? I said, just wait to Tuesday and you'll see. And they showed up. Yeah. I think, you know, there's one thing and I'll, you know, I think if you go back and, and, and listen to anything I've done or read anything I've done, you'll know I have some pretty significant disagreements with Trump. I will say this, that but I think it was a man needed at the time. That's what, that's what I used to tell people. I, I, I think there were, I think there are, I think there are a lot of people in the position of folks in your district. I think there are a lot of people who really just want to do for themselves and and feel that for years they've been entirely ignored. Yeah, they wanted to be a part of it. Made them a part of it. Yeah. And and you know, I think you and I would probably disagree on whether the Trump Trump is the right answer for that. Right. But from who do you from, think he is then? I mean, who who I, is the right answer? You know what, man? I I don't think I don't think we have a I don't think we have a really uh, we have a real <laughs> well, deep I mean, bench. You couldn't you couldn't put her in there. She oh no. no. No, I think I think that's the the big issue is I I don't yeah. think any I, there were some people look there were some people who were fans of Trump I think everybody else voted for their least least favorite candidate if that makes sense you know they voted for the person that they disliked the least um, well they were look people were looking for somebody to stand up against crooked mm-hmm. government and when Trump would get up there and spout like he did. Mm-hmm. It got people's attention. I think so. I think so. And I think, um, and, and you know, the funny thing is a lot of people will go after the Electoral College and a lot of people will go right, after. Right. But you know what I think? I think nobody would have cared about, about the Rust Belt specifically. Nobody would have cared about Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania if it weren't for Trump's victory. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, because because ultimately that they were, they were following the, the the liberals so far down the tube. That's why they were going down the tube, and, and well, they were looking for somebody to bring them up out of the hole. And and to be fair, like this whole arrangement, you know, we've talked about you know China, we've talked about manufacturing jobs moving overseas. You know, this whole 
affair for the most part. If you look at certain parts of the country, they've done very well. I mean, Boston's done very well. New York, yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and the reason they've done well is because they had the structures in place for the jobs that folks are hired for now. They had, they had a lot of high tech, a lot of finance. Right. And right. I think the big I told people here, you've got to plan for what you one thing we gotta do is, is get more water. I said you never can have more enough water. People need water when they come in to to produce stuff. Yeah. And you, don't get me started on, on water because I think I that's mean, actually the next the next big commodity we're all gonna be fighting over. But Right. Yeah, but, I was vice chairman of the local lake authority for a while back uh, in my younger days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized then every time we the industry and talk to them, it'd be like, well, what's your water resource? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I think though, the, 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 like you said, planning for the future and looking towards the future, I think the one thing that I, that I think a lot of people or most people can agree on is the fact that you can't have a system where right or not companies are going out of business, whether they should have gone out of business or not. You can't have a system where industries are just being destroyed and communities are being destroyed and another group of people who fall on the good side of that equation are getting fabulously wealthy and not have some system for bringing those other communities along. Yeah. You know, you, you can't. People are forgetting about communities. Even even the school systems are forgetting about community. When I grew up, we had small schools. Mm-hmm. You walk to them. Uh, now, everybody, even in our area, building these humongous schools and shipping everybody in from all over the county. Mm-hmm. But you're taking people's identity away. They're taking, you know, their family away. Uh, you have smaller schools, Dan, and I walk in there and I go, Jeff, how's your mom doing today? How's your dad doing? Yeah. How's, your, how's your brother Jerry doing? Blah, blah, blah. Now you go in there, nobody knows you. You don't know them. They don't know your parents. And I'm telling you, when you put a face with a name, it makes things different. When I was postmaster one time, I went to this office. And it's having a hard time. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize post office has unions. They, as a matter of fact, they have four unions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was uh, having a problem when I first went there with people complaining all the time. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have an open house. I'm going to have an open house, give some uh, coffee, drinks, donuts, whatever. People showed up. And I showed them the mail carrier, showed them where the mail, da, 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 da. You know, my my complaints and call-ins almost went down to zero. You know why? People bought into, I know this so-and-so, I'm not calling in on him. I've met him. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. Well, so in, in schools, when you get these smaller school systems, mm-hmm. you have more people willing to do for each other on family side, teacher side, whatever, because they know each other, Dan. Let me ask you a controversial question that you might not agree with or not. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. But, but yeah, so, so, you know, I described this system where you've got, again, you've got manufacturing in uh, North Carolina just disappearing. You've got manufacturing all over the country disappearing. Um, that money is all going overseas. It's coming back into the U.S. economy in the form of people purchasing debt because the countries need to buy U.S. treasuries in order to kind of keep their, their balance sheet right. Now, and that money in turn provides money for folks like you know Jeff Bezos to go and fund Amazon or Mark Zuckerberg to found Facebook and such. Now, one of the things I've, and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll piss everybody off on this episode, pardon my language, but, you know, I'll offend everybody here and say, you know, I already said I wasn't a fan of Trump, not a fan of Elizabeth Warren either, okay. uh, my own senator. However, the one thing I really did like about, the, or the one proposal of hers that I did like was the idea of taxing the folks who benefited the most. Because I think if you just take a little bit of Jeff Bezos's money or a little right. bit of Mark Zuckerberg's right. money, you put that right. back into a community right. like uh, like Kings Mountain, you put right. that back in education. Yeah, now, I do that. is that? Do you think? Does that like? I know obviously you're on the the far conservative side, and obviously there's there's not a lot of uh, love for government involvement. And there's definitely not a love a lot of love for taxes. But is that something you could stomach? Like, is that something you could live well, with or not? Not that way. I, I, the avenue you're speaking of is good, but it has a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, because too much is given, much is expected. I do believe that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But the way that can be done, and a lot of people don't agree with it, and you may not, and it's fine because it needs tweaking too. Yeah. You ever heard? You ever heard of the fair tax? Yes, 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 yes. This the flat That's tax, where, right? No, no fair. No, tax. okay. Tell me about it. No. No, research it when I get through. But there's yeah. a, there's there's a tax, and there's a flat tax, and there's a fair tax. Mm-hmm. And the way the fair tax works is, it's pretty much 
Oh, you keep all your income. And, and you get what you purchase is taxed. Let's say, for instance, I'm just going to throw out a number. Now, I'm not saying this is the number that you should use. Mm-hmm. Let's say 25% tax. Mm-hmm. And Bezo goes and buys a $10 million yacht. How much mm-hmm. tax is he paying on that? Oh, I probably zero because he's probably got a great accountant. But, but on fair tax, he's going to pay 25% tax, which is what, $2.5 million or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I go buy a $10,000 car. How much am I paying? $2,500. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the rich purchase a lot more than us, and the loophole's gone. So when they purchase something for 25% tax, mm-hmm. and, uh, so if you look at the look at the fair tax, who don't pay? Now, again, it's just crude, and I'm not speaking this, but who, some people don't even pay taxes. Does a drug dealer pay tax? No. no but when he purchases something, mm-hmm. he has to pay 25%. He's paying taxes. You see, yeah. Everybody would have to pay. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. People on Social Security, mm-hmm. uh, there's a formula in there where they don't pay anything. Matter of fact, each month, they are given so much, like $150 extra or something. I forget. Yeah. But if you look at the formula, and it needs to be tweaked to what I saw, but the, but the fair tax, and they've been pushing it out of Texas for about 10 years now. Yeah. And it had a couple couple people in Congress, but... Like McHenry said, it's not a big enough issue for me to get involved. Well, anything that helps America and me should be a big enough issue. Mm-hmm. Well, look at just look at the fair tax, and you'll see that that kind of goes into the realm of what you're speaking about. Uh, the people has a lot more money paying higher taxes. Well, they will because when they buy a thirty million dollar house. How much are they going to pay? You see what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I always that that's always been my problem is I feel like every month I'm hearing about Jeff Bezos buying another like right. eight, you know, eight nine digit. Right. Piece of real How much estate. Tax is he paying on that? Nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he has so much money, they know how to move it around. But you can't move it around when you're paying it on what you purchase. And, yep. and there's some other things in there. But basically, what it does is it, it gets away with the catch twenty two. Gets away from everybody is going to participate, and everybody's going to pay the same percentage. But the thing is, if you buy something so more extravagant, like John Kerry was going to do that time and ship his boat up the road so he couldn't yeah. have to pay taxes. Well, he's, there's no way around it. You have to pay the fair tax. That's why they call it the fair tax. Yeah. So it. If you want to talk about it again one day, we can speak about it. Because I've done some research, and I really like it. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people are not aware of it. Uh, and uh, it kind of, like I said, puts, puts the, the thing out there where, uh, you know, if you're the big shot, then guess what? You mm-hmm. you, you can't hide it any longer. you got yep. to pay your fair share just like the man out here digging the ditch does. Yep. Yep. What do you think about, so with the fair tax, what do you think about eliminating that on things like food or maybe having... Yeah, there's some things in there, like yeah. I said, that, 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 that you see where they've tweaked it about foods and stuff, mm-hmm. things that are necessity that people have to have to survive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you when, when the formula I looked at, when they get through, there's actually more money in it than their money is taken in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like the elderly and the, and the food and certain things like that, you know, uh, there's some there's some exemptions in there, let's, let's, let's say. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. I'd say, I'd say, uh, I'd say, Jeff, that if you and I ever find ourselves in Congress, we have a few <laughs> things we can work on. To- and somebody asked me, said, uh, uh, what, what do you think? How can we balance the budget? I said, well, there's, 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 I really believe there's an answer for everything. Yeah. If, if you got that, let's say we take starting tomorrow. Well, first of all, let's say that they come up tomorrow and say, you know, we've got a new, uh, Budget coming up. Well, and, and people arguing if you don't do this, I won't pass the budget. If, if, if they don't pass the budget, that budget from last year should keep going on the next year. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And then, and then when the next year comes, um, that way there's no arguing or, or, or getting in there and, and you know trying to get your pork barrel or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's just so many things. And, and if you try to balance the budget, let's take ninety percent of the budget and pay all the bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And never spend 10% of it. Put 10% back every year. Take that 10% and start paying down the debt. Yep, yep. There's ways to do things. Yeah, you may have to cut some of the bureaucracy, but, Dan, there's too many bureaucracies in our nation already. The, the, the federal government was never meant to be that large, huge, and overspending. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree with you there. And I think I think the one of the big problems, and this is something, I, I know I sound like a broken record saying this, but... You know, I think what a lot of people want out of the federal government is something the federal government wasn't designed to do. Which, exactly, exactly. You know. And the sad thing is, they've been uh, programmed so much now through the years that 
they almost demanding that that the government do it. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, and I think the, the, that's the big argument kind of getting back to what we said earlier, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, when is it, when is it the government's duty to step in on a church service? Is it before, oh, yeah. or is it before or after the disaster? You know, I think in the same way, you know, one of the big challenges we have as a country is always trying to figure out when do we let the, when does, when is it good for the federal government to take over? And I think, you know, we all agree uh, military it makes yeah. sense. You know, we all agree that, uh, you know, we all agree that, uh, that, you know, for fe- for federal highways, it makes sense to an extent, education funding, it makes more sense for certain states that are doing really well to be able to help fund states that maybe aren't doing so well, you know? Um, and I think that's the big, that's the big debate always is it's like, when do we, that's why a lot of people are, are going to homeschooling, yeah. uh, going to uh, charter schools, private schools, is they're, they're tired of the, the, the federal government getting involved too much into the education department, yep. you know, telling them they can't have Bible classes or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of run people away, and then what you do then is you make them find avenues other than uh, than what you're giving them. And then yeah. some, want you to, some want you to go too deep. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a, a sort of division in a lot of things in America, but it's because a lot of times the government has, program people to think that way. You know what? I, I went into this conversation not knowing exactly what we were going to talk about. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. I went into this and, and I think a lot of things is we're, we're conditioned to, in a lot of cases, to focus yeah, well. on, you know, we're conditioned to focus on things that, uh, that, that we disagree on. And I think the reality is, is that, you know, kind of, getting back to what we were saying about the, the federal government, you know, the goal is to figure out what can we all agree on? Yeah, what, yeah. what, what are the things we can agree on that? Right. And, and how do we get those things done? And rather than sitting there quibbling about stuff that really, you know, stuff that isn't going to happen because you can't get the votes for it, you know, like that's, that's, that's right. That's exactly right. Cause you can't get the votes for it. You got to take the politics out sometime yep. and not worry about who gets credit and what is the best avenue help America in whatever situation you're dealing with. Now, for those of you who, like myself, are both in support of the current protests going on around the country and also worried about the current pandemic, what did you think about Jeff's take on people not being able to attend church services? Because I think there's some gray area there that needs to be explored. But the idea that there's peril in letting the government curtail our rights to prevent a crisis needs to be explored as well. And I can't do it now as the music would run out well beforehand, but I'm going to be talking with the data monkey about it for our first anniversary episode in August. Now, what I found really compelling in my conversation with Jeff was the way globalization really gutted the economic base of his district and how that led him to Trump. And the fact is, The Democratic Party played an equal role in this process, so it's really no surprise Trump was able to carry Rust Belt states that traditionally voted blue. Now, next week, I'm going to be speaking with Nathaniel Lane, Green Party co-chair for the state of Ohio. Now, how much do you think Nathaniel's path and Jeff's overlap? You already know the answer, a lot. Why would I be saying it otherwise? So I hope you will join me. As always, music courtesy of Kefeller Tack. YDHTY is produced by the big Gino Jason Putney in District 124 or 6 of North Carolina. I probably should have figured that out before I said this. It has been my pleasure to serve you throughout this podcast. This is Dan Sally. Adios.